G'day friends, welcome back. The Mandalorian is back. Season 3, episode 1 or chapter 17 overall came out yesterday, March 1st. Um, it was called The Apostate and I thought it was a really solid uh, entry back into The Mandalorian. It's of course been two years a little bit more than two years, actually, like almost might, it might've been December of 2021. No, what am I saying? December of 2020 when season two finished. So two years and three months, almost very, very long time since we've seen him in his own show. We of course saw him, uh, in the book of Boba Fett 12 months ago. Now this and all the subsequent reviews of all the episodes of The Mandalorian coming up uh, are going to contain spoilers for obviously the episode I'm reviewing, all of the previous episodes of The Mandalorian and of Book of Boba Fett from last year because it is all now relevant. So, let's get into it. Okay, yes, I will say again, spoiler warning for this episode, every previous episode of The Mandalorian, and of every episode of Boba Fett. Um, yes, so, chapter 17, the apostate. Obviously, the apostate is Mando himself. It's actually what Pre Vizsla called him in Boba Fett last year, as soon as he and the armor found out that Mando had removed his helmet. Um, if you didn't see... The Book of Boba Fett, if you just skipped it, if you're a casual Star Wars viewer, maybe you just like The Mandalorian, you don't watch anything else, you're going to be confused. Um, this is a completely genuine criticism that can be <laughs> wielded at Filoni and, and Disney and Favreau and, and everyone who was involved with this idea why the hell would you... Like, if you want to have Mando be in Boba Fett, awesome. That, that's fucking awesome. But an entire episode and a half of Boba Fett's own show was dedicated to very key parts of the Mandalorian's story, which they were probably the best parts of that show. In fact, they were the best parts of that show, um, although I did love episode two as well. But yeah, if you haven't caught Boba Fett, uh, you're not only going to be confused about why Grogu is back with Mando, you're going to be confused as to why the armorer is so cross with him, and you're going to be confused about the ship that he's flying, <laughs> because yeah, there's some key shit that happens in that episode and a half of Boba Fett that involves Mando. He gets Grogu back, or Grogu chooses uh, to, to go back with him because he just loves him. And Luke gives him the option to. Um, he goes to Pelimoto to get 
a new he, he and her build him a new ship together out of a Naboo starfighter, which is very cool. I'm a big fan of this ship. And yes, he's talking to the armorer at one point, and he tells her that he had removed his helmet, and she gets very, very cross. Now, this is sort of where we begin this episode. Uh, we're with the armorer and a, a fucking buttload of new Mandalorians. They've been, they've either gone out and found ones that were hiding. They've, you know, recruited more to their little cause. Or some of these are the ones that were hanging out with Bo-Katan. We don't know, but there's a bunch of them now. It's not just the Armourer, um, Vizsla, and nobody else. <laughs> they got a they got a whole group. Um, and we get this sequence where they're inducting a kid into their, you know, into into whatever faction of the Mandalorians they are. We actually we, they're not Nightwatch anymore. I don't think. Um, don't know if they even have a name, but they're a group. They're, they're part of the, you know, they're a sub section of the group that Mando was part of, or that the same group, whatever. They're inducting a kid into being their version of a Mandalorian. They're like, you won't take off your helmet, blah, blah, blah. Here's one I made you, that sort of shit. And for, I don't know if this was intentional, but for a minute, I actually thought it was a flashback. I thought this was Mando being initiated which i like it, it that might have been the intention to sort of have it be a bit of a trick because then he shows up a bit later and you're like what the hell it's not a flashback um but then i thought about it when i was re-watching i was like no it can't, it can't be a fucking flashback because you've got the armorer and pre vizsla there both of whom wouldn't be that much older than mando if they are older so on on upon review <laughs> uh that thing that idea I had was fucking stupid. <laughs> so that's my own fault. <laughs> um, before I talk more about this scene, the kid's voice, the actor, um, this is through no fault of his own, but what the hell is that voice? What the hell? I pledge myself to be a Mandalorian. Like, what the fuck was that voice? It didn't, like, he's a kid. It isn't his fault. But it didn't, like, it just sounded weird. It didn't sound, like, I know that's what kids sound like. But he, he sounded like he was from L.A. He didn't sound like he was from Star Wars. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I don't know. It just sounded weird. But, yes, they're doing this initiation on the bank of, like, a lake or a river or something. And this fucking humongous crocoturtle comes out of the water and attacks them. And I don't know how long they've been on this planet, but they are hugely under... Un I can't say it. They are hugely underprepared to be attacked by this creature, <laughs> right? The thing is like the size of an aircraft carrier and they're shooting at it with their little blasters and they're trying to get it to... They're trying to pull it down with some fucking hooks and they and they try to put little grenades on it on its fucking shell and nothing is even hurting it um it's like john favreau loves his creatures in the mandalorian especially because in season two there was like a new giant monster in every episode we had the crate dragon in episode one. We had the ice spiders in episode two. We had that bloody sea creature, whatever it was, in episode three. There was so many monsters in season two. Um, so now he's continued on with the monster theme, and he's got another one <laughs> in 
in the start of season three, which was cool. I do love a big monster. I want to find out what it's called. I assume it isn't Crocoturtle. Um, I wonder if that was a Filoni creation because anyone who's seen uh, the Avatar show, as in the last Airbender, not the blue movies, um, you'll know that Filoni just for the animals of that universe, he took he just took two Earth animals and combined them. Look out, it's a panda frog or what? It, like, that's the sort of shit he would do. So this feels right out of that same sort of school of thought, for sure. Um, but yeah, this this crocoturtle is fucking him up. Um, there's, a, there's a bad bit of animation or, or scale work, I don't know. Like, But at one point, the crocodile thing is on the shore. It's eating some of the Mandalorians. And the Mandalorians, if we're talking about them as food... They sort of look like they're like hot dog sized in comparison to the monster. Like imagine you ate a hot dog. That's how much food one of these grown people was to this creature. But then there's a wide shot. It cuts and there's a massive wide shot. You can see the whole scene taking place. It's brief, but you see the whole thing. Suddenly... The creature is 10 times bigger than it just was. And the Mandalorians look like little toothpicks. It's, it's, it's the only time where the scale of the thing changes, but it's so noticeable. And I was like, what the, what the hell? Am I, like, I don't know what was going on, but it just, it, it felt sloppy to me. It felt pretty sloppy to tell you the truth. Um, anyway, Mando shows up and he's very, very quick little ship he saves them all because he's come to talk to the armorer about oh, if i go to mandalore and i go into the caves and i swim in the water and i can prove it to you can i be part of the club again blah 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 he's gone to check with her that that's gonna fly and she just says this is the way she's like i guess sure <laughs> i don't know <laughs> no one ever took their fucking helmet off before so i don't know um, but yeah, he comes in, he kills the thing, he fucking blows it in half. Um, I do like his ship a lot. I like the ship a lot. I was really sad initially when the Razor Crest got vaporized, but I really like it as a symbol of him not being a bounty hunter anymore. He doesn't need the cargo ship. He's not carboniting people, you know, and hanging them up in a rack to take for bounties. He's just, it's just him and Grogu. He doesn't need... All that. So I really, like, I, I fucking dig this new ship. It's cool. There's an action sequence. There's, like, a space dogfight later on, which is really cool to watch. So I like the ship in that aspect. Um, and, yeah, I like it as a, a character device to sort of show that he's not really in that world anymore. Um, so, yeah, they talk about... He's got this piece of, like... He's got, like, this artifact that he says someone went to Mandalore and found. It's like a bit of crystal with a bit of like stone with shit written on it, um, stuck inside it. And he shows it to the armor and she's like, yeah, so this, this proves that the entire surface was crystallized when the planet got basically blown to pieces. Um, they talk about how it's like poisoned and not safe to go there. So they're sort of saying it's the same as though it were nuked. Right, or you know, like like when the when the nuclear uh, reactors exploded at Chernobyl, 
there was all the radiation that was released and now there's like a radius where you still can't, it's not safe to go in. So like they're sort of saying that it's the same kind of thing. Like whatever they blasted the surface with, it's still not safe to go down there and walk on the surface, I guess. But it might be given this person who found this, you know, bit of crystal went down to the surface, you know, but then later Mando has the idea of getting a droid um, to come and help him. So maybe it was a droid that went down to the surface. Who knows? Um, but that's the sort of idea they're going with. So, yeah, the armorer says it's cool. Uh, if he can go and do that, he gets to be part of the team again. So now him and Grogu head off uh, back to Navarro um, to chat with Carl Weathers. But on the way to Navarro is my favorite part of the episode. And this is Dave Filoni rewarding people who have seen Rebels. And it just made me so happy. It actually made me a little bit emotional. And it was just such a nothing thing. The Purgle get a very brief mention in Obi-Wan. Um, Bail Organa says that he used to like, look, he says something like I used to dream of hunting Purgle or whatever he said when he was a child. Um, but Purgle, we see Purgle flying alongside Mando's ship in hyperspace, which is just unbelievable. And this is sort of leading us in, in the direction of maybe this show linking up with Ezra. I think that's going to be more Ahsoka's thing because that's sort of her mission. But this is starting to sort of plant the seeds of how that's going to work and where Ezra is. If you haven't seen Rebels, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. It is my favorite anything of Star Wars. It's my favorite show. It's, out of all of Star Wars, Rebels is my favorite piece of content. It is so good. A lot of people don't give it enough credit because they don't like the skinny lightsabers. Forget how it fucking looks, right? Look at the story. It's amazing. Um, I won't spoil it. Even if you just want to go watch the last season, won't make a lot of sense, but you, it'll be important for what's coming up in Ahsoka in terms of where Ezra is, where Thrawn is, and how the Purgle are involved. I don't think these Purgle are directly related to that in any way. Basically, what Purgle are, they are space whales, effectively. They are these whale-like creatures who can fly in space and travel through hyperspace, which is pretty fucking cool. If you ask me that an animal can go through hyperspace, which I just, they're a very, very, very cool creature. Um, and they pop up a couple of times in Rebels in there. They're just awesome. And it was fucking awesome to see some. That was just so cool. Um, so yes, he goes to see Carl Weathers. I've briefly forgotten the name of the character. Um, Grief Karga. <laughs> Grief Karga. He goes to see him because he wants to repurpose IG-11 to be a droid that helps him look around on Mandalore safely. Now, there is a statue erected in the middle of Navarro, this, which, which grief has totally fixed up. It's like a beautiful little community. 
and it's looking awesome. Everyone's happy. There's fucking live music playing. He's done an awesome job. He offers Mando like a bloody ranch. Out in the- <laughs> He's like, there's this land. You can have it. You can come and be the marshal here, blah, blah, blah. Um, but Mando's like, no, no, I'm here in business. There's this statue of IG-11 because of the sacrifice he made at the end of season one. And part of it is statue, but part of it is his parts. They've basically Death Star 2'd him, right? One of the things that shits me the most about the rise of Skywalker is how suddenly the Death Star, which was fucking blown to a billion tiny little pieces, was magically in like four bits in in that fucking lake or ocean, whatever it was, at the end of Rise of Skywalker. It made zero fucking sense. And this is not on the same level, to be fair, but... IG-11 blew himself up. He self-detonated also into a billion little pieces. And suddenly his entire torso and head are intact on this statue. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm happy for plot convenience to be used occasionally. Sometimes you have to use it, but use it in a way that you can make make sense. And this shit just bugs me. Anyway, um, he and Grief try to get him fixed. Um, they do briefly reanimate IG-11, but he goes back to his attack assassin droid settings and he immediately tries to kill Grogu because that was his last target as, as a bounty hunter droid. So he's like fucking crawling on the floor with no legs and one arm. It's like kind of, it's kind of creepy. It was a pretty cool scene um, until eventually a protocol droid... <laughs> Grief, uh, there's some fun. If you look around Grief Cargo's office, there is some funny shit in there. One of them is a gold bust he has of himself. Um, And this protocol droid just saves the day because he just drops it on poor IG-11's head and just squishes him. (laughs) Um, I enjoyed that immensely. So it doesn't seem like it's going to work. Um, there's a bunch of Anzellans living on Navarro who are the same species as Babu Frick from Rise of Skywalker. There's a whole bunch of them. I love this species. Very, very funny. Very cute. Um, I love the whole idea that they're like mini and they're like droid experts. And I like the way they talk. I like all of it. They are fun. Right? Happy to see them anytime. Um, so Mando takes what's left of IG-11 to them and he's like, no, no, your friend is broke. <laughs> your friend, no. <laughs> um, I just like how they talk. It's funny. So uh, this whole plan is kind of fucked, but he's like, look, if I can go out and find um, some special parts, he's going to find him a new circuit, something or other, I don't know. Um, and I bring it back. Can you get him to work? And the little Anzellan's like, I don't know, maybe. Fuck, oh, Jesus, I never had to... No one's ever been this persistent. Um, so I guess we'll see. So this is him going on a side quest for him fucking self. <laughs> so that's... They really... I really hope the rest of this... This episode was fine. It's it's setting up everything that's going to happen this season, which is what it should do, right? It was a perfectly fine episode. It wasn't amazing. It wasn't very long. Um, but it has set up the main things and goals for Mando this season, which I think is fine. Um, but I just hope they don't go back to their formula of 
every episode is him going on another side quest to get a fucking carton of milk to give somebody so they can help him do something else that he's trying to do for somebody else, right? Because that, 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 that it's just got a little bit tiresome in the first couple of seasons. And if they continue with that, especially now that we have like this, we have like Andor to compare this to, which was the best storytelling we've seen in Star Wars since Empire. Seriously. Um, they got to up their game in terms of the screenplay. <laughs> Seriously. Um, so, yes, this is sort of Mando's overall plan for maybe the next episode or so um, to go and just to try and get IG-11 working. Um, while he's on Navarro, there are a bunch of pirates who are there sort of harassing Grief Karga a little bit and just being a bit of a nuisance. Him and Grief murder all of them because now Navarro is a peaceful place, I guess. Um, they let one of them survive. So when Mando goes to leave the planet, he gets intercepted by a bunch of pirates and now he's got enemies who are these pirates. I don't really get why the pirates are in this episode. They don't serve a purpose. Maybe they're going to show up as the season goes along. I'm not super interested in that, i got to tell you. Um, it did lead to that cool space dogfight scene, which I enjoyed. That was fun. Um, but yeah, I didn't get them. If you're going to have pirates come into one of these live-action Star Wars shows, it needs to be Hondo. If you don't know who Hondo Anaka is, he is from Clone Wars, he's in Rebels... He is basically Jack Sparrow in Star Wars. He is a pirate. He is incredibly funny. He's very enjoyable on screen. I would kill to see him in live action. So if you're going to bring in pirates, you need to bring in Hondo. Um, but yeah, I didn't get the whole... I didn't really understand why the pirates were in this episode. Um, the very, very last part of the episode, uh, I guess before he's going off to find this bit... For IG-11, Mando goes to visit Bo-Katan on some um, Mandalorian moon. It's another, it's called, um, oh, Jesus. Oh, that was like a burp, hiccup, acid reflux thing. That was weird. Um, yeah, he goes to this planet called Kalevala, I think he says, um, which is, yeah, like another part of the Mandalore system. And that's where Bo-Katan is in this castle by herself so when she came back from her last mission without the dark saber um all of her little uh group were like nah bye you suck so this poor woman who like she isn't being very nice at the moment so i don't know when to feel sorry for her or not but she's totally fucked she's so lost she's got no friends she's got no goal she's she's trying to go back and be the leader of Mandalore, which she should be, but it ain't working. Mando's got the Darksaber. He tried to give it back to her. She wouldn't take it. I don't know how they're going to resolve that. I don't know how much of this season is going to have that storyline. I don't know how quick, because we've only got, there's only eight episodes total. We've already seen one. There's seven more. I don't know. There's two main things that it seems like they want to address this season. It's Mando getting to swim in these Mandalorian pools or whatever, so he gets to be a Mandalorian again, and Bo-Katan getting the Darksaber. If they can resolve both of those things this season, I think that's a win.
I think that's what they've set out to do. So I imagine that's how that's what they're going to try and resolve. And then maybe heading into next season, they may begin to sort of link it with what's going to happen with Ahsoka and bringing in Thrawn and Ezra and and all of that sort of stuff. Is Luke going to come back in? We don't know. Is Boba Fett going to come back in? We don't know, right? Um, but those are the two main things that are sort of going to happen this season. But he goes to talk to Bo-Katan in his castle and she's all, woe is me. And she's like, you've got the fucking sword. You can go, they'll, they'll do whatever you say. And I wonder if that's going to, she did say that. I wonder if that's going to come back in any way. She's like, they'll follow you. They'll do whatever you say because you have the sword. Right? So yeah, that'll be interesting. Um, and yeah, she she basically tells him to, to, he's like, I'm here to help you. And she's like, that's no. <laughs> she's just sucking about everything. And she sort of tells him to fuck off and he does. And that's the end of the episode. So um, it really was, the point of this episode really was just to set up all our key players, um, see where all of our other main characters are at. We got an explanation of where Cara Dune is. If you don't know what's going on with Gina Carano, just Google her and Disney together and you'll see. <laughs> um, and yeah, that was that was about it. It was not, not an enormous episode in terms of things to talk about but i enjoyed it i thought i thought it was fine i hope that again i've I've said this so many times but i just hope some of the subsequent episodes are a little bit longer they don't have to be heaps longer they don't have to be 50 minutes or an hour but just if they can sort of be be beyond that 40 to 45 minute mark like this episode was like 34 minutes a little bit less if they can sort of get to 40, 45 in that sort of area, even a tiny bit longer, that works for me. All right. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Let me know what you thought of chapter 17. Um, and if you're keen for next week, chapter 18. All right. I will catch you next time. Bye.